The image for this series is a woman celebrating the festival of holy to remind us that blessing doesn't always look like what we expect. In the Beatitudes, Jesus tells us who was blessed. Blessed is living in the assurance that I am with God and God is with me. Even though my present circumstances might not look like it, I am blessed. I'm actually living in the kingdom of heaven. That's not a delusional life. It's a life with hope. Now, how do I get there to that life of hope? That's the question Jesus answered in Matthew 5, 1 through 12, and what we're going to look at this summer. Today, we're looking at the second person Jesus says is blessed. In Matthew 5, 4, Jesus teaches this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Like last week, when we looked at poverty of spirit, being in a state of mourning does not sound like a blessing. Perhaps if the person that died was someone who abused me or committed crimes against humanity, then we might say their death was a, was a blessing. But then we don't mourn. To take an extreme and obvious example, nobody mourns the death of Adolf Hitler. When evil goes away, that's a gain. But when we mourn or grieve, it's the emotional experience of a loss. And it's in that experience that Jesus promises blessing. And this is an unqualified promise to a group. When the people of Israel were giving the law under Moses, the covenant had both curses and blessings. This is recorded in Deuteronomy 28. If the people disobeyed, they would receive a curse. When they obeyed, God would bless them. Now this is a qualified promise for blessing. Do the right thing, do the moral activities, and live blessed. Matthew 5.4 I would call an unqualified promise. While it does state that a person must mourn to be blessed, I think we can agree that at some point in everyone's life, they will mourn. Furthermore, Jesus does not say here what the mourning has to be about. Matthew or Jesus' intent may be mourning over sins, my own or others, and we certainly should grieve over those things, but that's not the general usage of this word mourning, which is grief over the loss of a person or important possessions. In this context, a case can be made that Jesus is talking about the mourning of sin because there are times when he calls out righteousness. And in the Sermon on the Mount, which follows, Jesus will talk about living the fullness of the law. But if Matthew or Jesus intended to restrict or qualify this mourning to mean mourning over sins and evil, I think one of them would have done that because it is done in other verses in this section of Scripture. For example, it's not just blessed are the poor, it's qualified as the poor in spirit. It's not just blessed are the hungry and thirsty, it's blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's not just blessed are the persecuted, it's blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. It's not just blessed are those who are insulted. It's actually blessed are those who are insulted because of Jesus. So the Beatitudes are qualified sometimes in the text, but not all of them are qualified. Blessed are those who mourn is one of the unqualified promises. 
So this seems to be a general promise with a general application. This idea of mourning would go against the larger Roman culture at the time. A dominant philosophy of the time was Stoicism, which I'll simplify to be letting logic dictate virtue and usefulness. With logic as a deciding factor, a Stoic does not want to be heavily influenced or especially overcome by emotions. Now, that's not to say that Romans didn't grieve. They were still humans, not Star Trek Vulcans. But from what we know of Roman funeral rituals, it was not the family of the deceased who would be seen mourning. But families would pay women to attend the funeral and wail loudly, rip out their hair, and scratch their faces in mourning. The more money a family had, the greater procession of mourners could be bought. You know, one of my college friends found an advertisement for employment where the person promises to show up at your funeral dressed in all black with a black umbrella, even if it isn't rain. The person will be present under their umbrella for the entire funeral, never speaking, and always back at least 20 feet from the main crowd of attendees. I told my friend Lisa I'd be willing to do that for her. Of course, all her immediate family would know who I am, but she loved the idea of all her neighbors, coworkers, casual friends, and extended family all during the funeral asking each other, who's that black guy? I'd mourn my friend by giving her one last joke. Although we're not as stoic as the Romans, we are often told to keep our emotions in check. But as we talk about this general promise, I think we also have a general application. Jesus is saying it's good to allow ourselves to feel our own emotions and empathize with the emotions of others. Even strong emotions such as grief. It's a blessing to cry and to cry with someone. It's a blessing to laugh and laugh with someone. It can be a blessing to feel angry and be angry with someone. Now, not all joking or anger is righteous, but what I'm getting at is there is a range of emotions that come with mourning, mourning the loss of a person or an important thing, and it is generally good to be able to go through those experiences. It might not feel like it at the time, but there is something blessed about shared emotional experience. The phrase is not blessed is the one who mourns, but blessed are those, plural, who mourn. I read a story about a little girl who came home from a neighbor's house where her friend had died. Why did you go, questioned her father. To comfort her mother, said the child. What could you do to comfort her? I climbed into her lap and cried with her. At the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus wept publicly, and those around him understood what he felt. That made the comfort of resurrection, which he brought, also felt by everyone. While there's a general unqualified promise of blessing to those who mourn, we should not assume that all mourning and resulting blessing is the same. Because mourning is unequal. And it is so in two ways. First, mourning is unequal in distribution. Not every person experiences the same grief. One couple's baby dies. Another couple can't get pregnant in the first place. And a third couple lives to see their great-great-grandchildren. 
One person gets coronavirus and lives. Another gets it and dies. A third person doesn't get it at all. The restaurant goes out of business. The students switch to distant learning, distance learning. And the tailor and seamstress switch to making masks and become heroes. So mourning's not equal in distribution. And second, mourning is also unequal in value or intensity. The word mourning here means to grieve over the loss of a person or important possession. But do we grieve the loss of a person the same as an important possession? Well, we better not. You know, if someone crashes into my car, I will feel bad. But I'm going to feel even worse if my wife was in the car when someone crashed into it. I had to learn to place right value on grief when I was younger. I had purchased a racing bicycle for myself. And with my old 10 speed, sometimes I would come home and my bike was gone. My mom would sometimes take my bike for a ride without asking. When I got my new bike, I told my mom, Mom, you should not ride my new bike. It's very lightweight. It has very thin tires. I've had the wind blow me over, and I've fallen twice since I've had it. And then I came home one day, and my new bike was gone. After a while, I got a phone call. My dad was bringing my mom home from the hospital, and I could go pick up my bike from the fire station. I was pretty upset. My bike was broken, but not beyond repair. In fact, the repair modifications that were made made it into a better bike. My mom had a broken collarbone. At first, I was upset with her. I asked her, why did you take the bike when I told you you'd probably crash? She said, I thought you were just being selfish. You know, my bicycle was fixed in a few days, but over the weeks of seeing my mom in pain, waiting for that collarbone to mend, I saw her pass out in pain several times. I realized my mom is more important than things. This is something we studied in depth not too long ago. If you want to go deeper, I encourage you to revisit the sermon, Right Grief, from June 7th. It's okay to grieve the right things, and if I do, I'll be blessed with comfort. I believe it's more important to grieve sin, and if I do, I will be blessed with a greater comfort, perhaps a motivation to change things. And I believe the most important thing to grieve is loss of life, spiritual and physical. And if I do that, I will be blessed with the greatest comfort, the promise of resurrection. Blessed is living in the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, there should be no sin or evil. In the kingdom of heaven, there should be no death. So when I am seeing and experiencing these things that should not be, I should grieve and mourn. When there's sickness and disease, I should mourn. When a police officer kills someone, I should mourn. When there's inequity because our society still functions on the construction of race, I should mourn. And what's the blessing in that? Again, I want to refer you to our previous sermon series for a fuller explanation. But right grief should lead to actions from an internal personal focus of loss to an external focus to giving others life. The blessing Jesus describes is comfort. We've seen a general comfort that comes from expressing our emotions with others and an understanding of the proper weight of what is important. 
But third, there's also a unique comfort that comes from God. The comfort that comes from God, I don't think is part of the general unqualified promise of blessed are those who mourn. And here's why I think that way. The verb used for comfort in Matthew 5.4 is the same word in a noun form in John 15.26, where Jesus says, when the comforter comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. In this verse, John tells us that the blessing of comfort from God is in fact the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus only promises to his disciples, his followers, those who believe and live for him and are like him. It's not that Jesus doesn't want to comfort everyone with his spirit, but not everyone accepts. In Luke 13, 34, Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Jesus is saying the unwilling do not receive comfort from him because they don't want it. The unique comfort that Jesus provides through the Holy Spirit is one that gives us the hope and assurance of realized kingdom of heaven living. Revelation 21, 3 and 4 describes it like this. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more, because the previous things have passed away. The comfort God provides is the assurance that just as Jesus, God made human, once lived with us, there will be a time when God will always live with us. Heaven and earth will be one. There will be no need to grieve or cry because there will be no loss or separation or pain. Now, I'm not looking forward to mourning the death of my mom or dad. I take it seriously when someone asks me to help plan their own or their loved one's funeral or memorial service. But in all these activities, I can bring hope because I know death is not the end. C.S. Lewis in his work Mere Christianity says, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. The unique comfort that God gives his followers is one that we can and should share. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in, in, in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Comfort is a blessing from God. There's a story that says once during Queen Victoria's reign, she heard that the wife of a common laborer had lost her baby. Having experienced that deep sorrow herself, she felt moved to express her sympathy. So she called on the bereaved woman once a, one day and spent some time with her. After she left, the neighbors asked what the queen had said. 
Nothing, replied the grieving mother. She simply put her hands on mine and we silently wept together. That level of general comfort is available to everyone, queen or commoner. But for Christians, commoners who through faith become co-heirs with Christ, we have a special blessing of comfort from God, his Holy Spirit, which we are to share verbally and in action with others. It is there that everyone can find the hope of new life that surpasses any loss. Let's pray. And this is from Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, great in faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. All you have made, Lord, will thank you. The faithful will bless you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and will declare your might, informing all people of your mighty acts and of the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful and all his words are gracious in all his actions. The Lord helps all who fall. He raises up all who are oppressed. All eyes look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. Lord, let all who mourn look to you, the God of all comfort, to find hope and life. And may we, your followers, be the beacons and bearers of that life. Amen. As you reflect on the message Think of one thing that resonated with you, one thing that challenged you, one thing you want to learn more about, and one thing you will do based on what you have heard. And I leave you again with this blessing from Jude. Now to him who is able to protect you from all stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, to the only God and Savior, Through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.